Hey everybody, we are so glad that you are here to join us for week two of our Kingdom Come series. So everybody at our Kernersville location here, everybody joining us from our Oak Ridge location and from wherever you are joining us online, from wherever you are, at home with coffee, at the beach, in the mountains, riding down the road, keep your eyes on the road, just listen. We are so glad that you have joined us. Now, I, I know we say this a lot, and I will say this again, but it's very important that in order for you to get the most out of what we're talking about today, ultimately, that you uh, caught last week. And if you're like, oh, I didn't hear last week, that's okay. Today will make a lot of sense to you. But to get the full picture of this series, especially each week, kind of builds upon the week before. So go online and watch it, our website, or you can go to our app, you can watch it, listen to it, podcast, however you like to stream your content, and catch up with week one that we started last week on how to understand the kingdom of God, because that's what we are talking about. So let me begin week two with this question. What do you think when you hear the word king? Let this sink in a minute. Just kind of collect your thoughts. What are you thinking when you hear the word king? I mean, what, what comes to mind? It may be immediately a historical figure, literature, history class. Or you're going, no, I think about Richard Petty. <laughs> yeah, we are kind of in NASCAR world, right? Or you might like, no, no, I, it's Elvis. Definitely. Or uh, James Brown, the King of Soul, you know. Or, or, or perhaps you're a little hungry this morning and you're going, no, burgers. Burgers already, I'm, I'm feeling. Or maybe not, right? Uh, what I think of when I think of the word king immediately is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, now I, I know immediately some of you are going to think less of me as a pastor, as a spiritual leader. However, those of you that really love Jesus will think more of me now. <laughs> Arthur, King of the Britons. Right, you guys remember that? I was introduced to that in college and never been the same since. And I had, I had some parents from the Thursday night service came up to me and said, we made sure that all of our kids at the appropriate age knew that. And we, we watched it over and over again. I said, that's good parenting right there. This, this mind, this, my mind goes to this scene, uh, Arthur, king of the Britons, in this uh, interchange with a couple of the commoners in the field, right? Uh, this, this question, oh, I didn't know we had a king. <laughs> I didn't vote for you. It's just awesome. And I know you may not think this is funny. You should, you should rent it and watch it or stream it. Yeah, that's what I think of. Let me ask you this. Do, do you think of King... Jesus, though, talking about a hard right turn. When you, when you hear the word king, do you think of Jesus? Probably not. Perhaps not. Even those of you who are church-going, God-fearing, Jesus-loving people, you, you may not think about Jesus when you hear the word king. That might not be a concept that it kind of comes to you naturally. You might be thinking, well, I, I didn't know Jesus was a king. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
And that's what we're going to unpack in the next few moments. What's interesting is that Jesus' own people in his own day did not even see him as king. The majority of them did not like the idea that he could be king, and they rejected the reality that he was, in fact, king. You see, the people of Israel, by the time you get to the first century, Oh, they definitely expected a king, and they were looking for a kingdom. However, Jesus did not meet their expectations as a king, and this kingdom he talked about certainly did not meet their expectations. No, they, they were thinking more, like we talked about last week, of, of land and territory and spaces and places. And Jesus came with a whole different concept of what it meant, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So they look at Jesus, and, the, and even the way Jesus was born, they couldn't get their minds around this. I mean, a king born in a stable, in a, in a cow stall, in an animal barn? Uh, kings aren't born that way, right? And the scandal, you remember the scandal that surrounded Jesus' birth? I mean, Mary, she's pregnant, she's not married. That's not the way a king is born. If you're the people of Israel, you have a problem with this. I mean, and as Jesus grew up, what he became about, the fact that Jesus became a leader who was here to serve others instead of asking them to serve him. And isn't that what, when we think of an ancient king, when we think of a king and a queen and a kingdom, we think of someone who we serve, right? And we'll get to that. But Jesus made a name for himself because he came to serve those in his community, in his life, in his sphere of influence. They rejected the fact that Jesus was about peace, not war. And how kingly is that? That he was about love and not power, grace, and, and not just a long list of rules. And the fact that Jesus spent time with people that kings usually don't spend time with. The people that Jesus embraced well, it just didn't meet their expectations of what the king of Israel, much less the king of the Jews, much less the king of the kingdom of God would be all about. So they rejected Jesus. And Jesus, when he came on the scene, he challenged his own people, the people of Israel. He challenged his family and his friends. He challenged his own community to change their mind, to change their thinking about who he was as king and about the kingdom of God. In fact, when Jesus was doing this, he used this word, this word that was a very familiar word in the first century. <coughs> Excuse me. A word that that even today in Christian circles and in church contexts we hear people use. Yet today we've attached a lot of baggage to this word. A, a lot of meanings that really have very little to do with this word. And, and this word has taken on an attitude. And you may not even hear this word as much unless you're in church or you see some person standing on the street corner wearing a sandwich sign kind of thing, screaming and yelling at people about God and heaven and hell. What word am I talking about? The word repent. The word repent. Jesus used a word 
that was all about a change of mind, a change of thinking, because in the original languages that the New Testament was written in, in Greek, the word repent is the word metanoia, which means change your mind, change your thinking, a change of mind, a change of thinking. So Jesus came to a group of people that were looking for a certain kind of king and a certain kind of kingdom, and he comes on the scene, and people are saying that he's the king and that he is the king of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, you need to change your thinking. Look at this. Mark records Jesus saying, the time has come. The kingdom of God is not some far away one day, way out there, and it's not about land, it's not about territory. No, it has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. So repent and believe. Change your mind. Change your thinking about who I am and about what the kingdom of God is all about. Change your thinking. Repent and accept this truth. Believe. So Jesus challenged his own people who rejected the idea of him as king and the reality that he is king. He challenged them to change their thinking, but many of them, in fact, most of them did not. And eventually, we remember the story, they killed him. They murdered him. They crucified him on a cross. But we also know the story doesn't end there, thankfully. That three days later, just like he predicted, he rose from the grave. Wow. To prove once and for all that not only is he savior of the world, but he is king of the kingdom of God. Jesus is in fact king. Change your mind, change your thinking, he told his people. I wonder how many of us today need to change our minds and change our thinking when it comes to who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. We'll get to that a little bit later. But there was this, this passage in the New Testament that I want us to spend a few minutes of time kind of unpacking together that to me just shouts Jesus is king. This is a passage of scripture that Paul the Apostle writes to a group of Jesus followers in the city of Colossae. This is very important because Colossae is in, the, in, in, in an area that's not really known for being very Jewish. In fact, it's Greek. A melting pot of philosophies and religions and ideas. And there's a church, a church that's been started in the city of Colossae in the first century. And Paul is writing to these Jesus followers in this young church and he's encouraging them. And he's trying to help them understand and embrace who Jesus is as king. Even though they're not Jews, even though they're not Jewish people, and a part of Jesus' family line and community, he's helping them understand where they fit in. This is huge. Look what Paul writes. For he, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness is another way of saying this world, this world's culture, this world's ideology and system of thought and life. And he has transferred us. That's a great line. He has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's talking about Jesus who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Jesus purchased our freedom. That's what he was doing on the cross. Purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Hmm. He is king. Not just savior, but king. Watch this. 
Christ Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. I put this sentence up by itself because I want to help you understand this sentence alone cannot be overstated. This sentence alone, there's no way to exaggerate this. There's no way to say enough about this. This right here, we could do a whole series just on this. We could talk a year just on this. Jesus is God in flesh and bone. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. When God wanted to show the world who he was and what he was like, he sent Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say about himself. If you have questions about what God is like, don't assume. Don't just take the word on the street. Go look at Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, watch Jesus. If you want to know what God thinks, listen to Jesus. If you want to get close to God, get close to Jesus. Because Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He's king. Just makes sense. Watch this. He existed, Jesus existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Well, he's king. That just makes sense. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He's king. He goes on. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him because Jesus is king. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. I love that last line. There's something just beautiful and poetic and powerful about that last line, that Jesus didn't just create everything, he sustains everything. He didn't just create it all, he holds it all together because he's king. He's savior and not just savior. He's king of the kingdom of God. He goes on and explains that Christ is also head of the church which is his body. Very important. He is head. He is king of the summit church. Make no mistake about it. It ain't me. I'm just the pastor, which means I'm supposed to be the lead servant here. It ain't you. It ain't us. It's, it's, it's no one in, at the head of a denomination. It's no one at the head of some kind of religion. The man is formed. No, no. Jesus is king and head over all. The church, his body. He is the beginning, supreme. Go back and let me finish that one part. I skipped ahead. He is the beginning, the supreme over all who will rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Get that. I mean, Jesus invented resurrection. Jesus was the first one. It was his idea. And so even in resurrection, he is king. He goes first in everything. Now let's move to the next one. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. Oh, I wish we had time to unpack that fully. Everything, which leaves out no thing. In Jesus, God brought everything to himself. He made peace with everything. See, people have this idea that God, 
Is some grumpy old grandpa kind of guy sitting on a throne, some big chair up in heaven, and he's just ticked. He's just mad. And I don't like this, and I don't like you, and I don't like them, and I don't like, I don't like the way that happens. And he's just mad and grumpy all the time. No, 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 no. Through Jesus, this is God's attitude. He made peace with everything. God's good. He's fine. He don't have an attitude issue. He's not grumpy. He's not upset. He made peace with everything through Jesus. It's right there. In heaven, he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This is huge, guys. This is huge. There's more theology to unpack right here that we have talked about. That we got time. But here's what I want you to take away. This next line, this next line brings it home for me and you. Everything we've just talked about, everything we've just seen, that he's king over everything, he created everything, he sustains everything, he's over everything, he's in charge of everything. And this includes you, who were once far away from God. This includes you. Now, the original audience that this was written to, again, was that church in Colossae. These non-Jewish people, this was brand new news to them. This was good news to them because they weren't a part of the Jewish family, right? They were, they were called Gentiles, and a Gentile was anyone that wasn't a Jew. Which, by the way, if you just draw that line all, all the way out through history, that also includes me and you. And there may be some of you here that are of Jewish descent. But most of us probably are not. The bottom line is it includes all of us. This includes you. So to summarize, Jesus is king and his kingdom includes you. You have a king. Whether you realize it or not, whether you're living like it or not, you have a king. You have a king. And his kingdom includes you. Now, this, this is a, it's a very different kind of king, Jesus, and this is a very different kind of kingdom. I mean, for starters, Jesus is the kind of king that gave himself for his people first. This is how different this kingdom is. This is how different things are when it comes to Jesus. He gave himself for people first, which is the exact opposite. It's what you see when you study ancient kingdoms, right? Because the king, right, the king would call on people, give your life for the king, sacrifice yourself for the king. What are you willing to give for the king? What are you willing to bring for the king? What are you willing to give up for the king? And then that gives you access to the king. Now, make no mistake, there is a time and a place where we are called to sacrifice for our king, sacrifice our lives, sacrifice um, our, 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 our plans. Jesus made it like this. He said it like this. There will come a day that in order to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself and take up your own kind of cross because that's the kind of, that's the kind of king I am. I'm a cross-wielding, cross-bearing kind of king. Make no mistake, there is a time for us to sacrifice for the king, but here's the deal. Jesus went first. He went first. He gave himself first. He sacrificed himself first. He serves us 
first and then simply just asks us to follow his example. That's what he meant when he says, I want you to now love each other as I have loved you. Jesus gave himself. This kind of key he is. He gave himself for his people first. And then this, this next descriptor is, is huge. This is how different this is. Not only did he give himself for his people first, this kingdom and Jesus as king is known for including, not excluding. Including, not excluding. Now, when you think of kings, ancient kingdoms and kings, where does the king live? In the castle, right? And the castle, just by where it is and what it's about, is, is pretty much made to keep the king isolated from everybody else and keep everybody else out and keep them from bothering the king and getting to the king. The castle is usually somewhere up high, right? Not just so that everybody can see the castle, but so that the castle can see where everybody else is. You all stay down there. And you get up to the castle, and there's this thing called a moat, right? Just put on our fairy tale. Remember those? You know, the moat, this water, and, and there's a drawbridge, right? You, you cross the moat, and they'll bring the bridge up so nobody can get across. And in the moat, there's gators or dragons or some kind of man-eating, some kind of animal something, you know. That you don't want to fall into the moat. There's no swimming across the moat kind of thing. And, and then if you do make it across, oh my goodness, if you, you know, build one of these catapult things, and you get to the other side, there's guards with spears. And there's all these gates. There's this gate, and then there's another gate, then there's another gate, then there's another gate. In other words, castles are meant to keep people away from the king. That's kind of the idea we have a king and a kingdom was about, okay, we're, and there's boundaries and there's borders about who is in and who is out and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus' attitude was much different. He, he made it clear that his kingdom was much more about including than keeping people out and excluding. Sadly, though, if, if you are to um, pay attention to churches and Christians today, you still get that idea that it's about who we're trying to keep out and exclude. Oh, you're not like us. You don't, you don't, you don't believe the same things as us. So it's the attitude of a lot of churches and a lot of Christians. Oh, you don't, you don't, you don't watch the same news channel that we watch. You don't vote like us. You don't look like us. You don't dress like us. You're not on the same side of the issues that we are. So you you don't belong. You don't belong. You, it's what you would think, right? You would think. I mean. You, Nothing could be further from the truth. The surprise of Jesus' ministry was who he included, not who he excluded. And the surprise was who Jesus said God included. And here's who he included. Everybody. Everybody. Even those who you would think would be the last to be included. He welcomed them in fact, Jesus tells this parable, I don't have time to get into it, but too deep, but just summary. One day, Luke records this, I think it's Luke chapter 14 in the New Testament. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. There's this guy who throws a big party, a big feast. 
And his attitude is, go invite everybody because I want my house to be full. Go invite everybody. I want to invite the good people, the bad people, crippled, poor. I mean, people who are important, people who are unimportant. I mean, everybody, because I want my house to be full. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like that. Everybody. Rachel Held Evans, a Christian author who passed away a few years ago, wrote a book, and in this book, There's this quote. She wrote several books, by the way. I love this quote. This is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table. Not because they're rich or worthy or good, but because they're hungry. That's why they're there. I love this next part. Because they said yes. Isn't that simple? They said yes. To King Jesus' invitation. And there's always room for more. Always room for more. It's known for including, not excluding. King Jesus' invitation is simply this. Come one, come any, come all. Not, Not everybody will. But the invitation is, come one, come any, come all. And for those who choose not, it won't be because they're not invited. It won't be because they're not welcome. Come one, even you. Come any, even them. Come all. Jesus' invitation is worldwide and you-specific. This is so different, right, than ancient kings and ancient kingdoms. Because you just can't approach the king You just don't get to walk up to the king and say, what's up, king? Right? Because kings stayed away from the people. They had their special rules and special days and special ways to get close to the king. And there's a special place and a special room where you could see the king and you could only see the king in this. The king doesn't come out of the castle and just, you know, mingle, fraternize with the help and, and, you know, all the commoners and all the people of the kingdom. No, No, you don't do that. But see, Jesus is a different kind of king. He rubs shoulders with everybody, with everybody, especially those, it seems, especially those that you would think a king would stay away from. Jesus' invitation was, no, come one, come on, come on, come on, come on. Just say yes. Say yes to me as your king and participating in my kingdom that is here, now, and yet. To come, like we talked about last week. And let me wrap it up with this, because Jesus gave a very clear word picture. Something that all of us understand, all of us, whether you're a church person or not. He he gave us this word picture to help describe how he wants us to come, one, any, and all, to him. How he wants us to approach him. Could you think, right? When you get ready to approach a king, you got to get ready. Got to get ready. I got to get ready. I got to make sure I got to look right. You know, get some new clothes. Uh, you know, be on your best behavior. We're going. We're going to see the king. Straighten up. We're going to see the king. Okay, I'm just going to stand a certain way, sit a certain way, talk a certain way. That's the way you would approach a king. But Jesus is not like that kind of king. In fact, Jesus' word picture that he gave us was this. He said, "When you come to me in my kingdom, I want you to approach me like a little." child. Now we hear that and we go, oh, the adorable. But that's not how they heard it in the first century. You see, in the first century, people saw children different than we see them today. 
In the first century, children were something to be tolerated, primarily, until they were old enough to contribute to the family and contribute to the community and work and earn a living and help with the family business. Children were often seen as a nuisance, a bother, a liability. And so when Jesus says this, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven belongs to people who come to me like, like little kids. Let me, let me clarify that a little bit more. Let me break that down. Let me, let me show you a couple of pictures. This is a picture of my grandsons, Case. He is four and a half. And Canaan, he is one and a half. Oh, it's Fourth of July weekend. As you can see, their moms dressed them up in a way that will mortify them later. <laughs> they match, right? Yeah, how moms play with this. It's just crazy. So, okay, so Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is for people who come to me like this. But, but here's the problem with this picture and that verse. This is not reality. This picture is posed. This picture is coiffed. I have no idea, we have no idea how many pictures my daughter Morgan had to take to get this still shot, right? And that's the one she posts. All right, let me show you this next picture, though. Later that same day. <laughs> okay, so here we have boys now, same two boys, shirtless, because that's how they are most of the time, right? It's just it's summertime. Why wear a shirt? It's so unnecessary. And, and so they're in swings, and they got these pops, and that's, that's popsicle dripping down Canaan's face, not blood, even though with brothers that happens too, right? And then there's Case over here. I don't know if he's upset. He's got an ice cream kind of headache kind of thing, but it's just messy, right? It's just, it's that coiffed. It's like, what? Okay, now, now, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven belongs to people who approach me like this. See, my name is Pops to these fellas. And when these fellas come to me, they just come. Just like they are. When, when Case comes to me, when Case, the oldest, comes to me, I mean, he's just, he just comes to me and he's just talking 90 miles an hour. He's not there to impress me. He just tells me everything he thinks, everything he feels, everything he wants. He's just yak, 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 yak. And he, because I'm his Pops. And he's just there for whatever and whenever. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. He's not there to impress me. He's just real. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like when you come to me like that. It, you begin to get in on it when you come to me like that. Now, now Canaan, oh, it's a whole different kind of up in your face. When he comes to Pops, he runs to Pops and he gets right up in my face just like this. And he's breathing, and my glasses are fogging up, and he's taking them, he's playing with my glasses, and he's got stuff on his hands. I don't know where those hands have been. And he's touching my head, and he's all up in, he's stepping on my toes, and he's the elbow and the groin and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, ow, ow, And he's just, he's just loving it. 
And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who come to me like these children. Come one, come any, come all, just like you are. You come to Jesus. If you think, oh, I got to get my life straightened up. No, no, you come just like you are. Drag all the baggage. Bring all the stuff. Bring all the crap. Bring all the mess. Bring all the questions. Because kids have questions. It's constant. It's relentless. Come to Jesus like that. Well, I, I got I to get some stuff figured out. Kids don't have things figured out. They may think they do, but we know they don't. They're all over the place. They're scattered. Jesus said, come to me like that. Come to me like that. See, Jesus is king. And his kingdom includes you. This includes you. And his invitation is, come one, come any, come all. Just like you are. Now for some of you, this is brand new news. You never, you thought the church was about learning how God wants to keep people out unless they are a certain way. And, 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 and how Jesus is like, no, you gotta, I mean, you got to jump through all the hoops and everything, and then maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, in the end, you'll be good. No, it's not, it's not the attitude of Jesus. Jesus is like, come on. Like, bring your messy hands. Bring your messy lives. Come on. Come on, bring your messy selves. Come on. I know you're stepping on, you stepped on my toes. That's okay. It's okay. I know you're fogging up my glasses. Okay, I, I, I get it. Okay, come on, come on. Just, just like you are. Come to me. Some of you have never, never seen God like this. This is who he is. This is what he's like. And for some of you, what you need to do is embrace King Jesus as your king right now. And to say, I get it. Oh, if this is it, I want it. Say yes. Remember that quote we read? They're here because they said yes. Say yes. Some of you need to say yes to King Jesus for the very first time. You say, how do I do that? You say yes. What else do I need to do? You just say yes. As your Savior, as your King, and you begin to learn what it means to follow Him and participate in His kingdom work that is here now and still to come. I invite you. Come one, come any, come all. Now, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, and this whole concept is nothing new to you, maybe you've lost sight of this. It's very simple. I think another thing Jesus was saying when he said, come to me as a little child, he's saying, don't overcomplicate this. Don't overcomplicate this. It's really, really simple. Come to me. And, and as Christians, we overcomplicate every stinking little thing. We make it so much harder than it is. You know what it is? If you've been following Jesus, do you know what his attitude to you is? It's still the same. Come up here. Come on. Hop up in my lap. Come on. Just like you are. I know. I know. I know. I know you messed up. Okay, come on. Come on. We'll, we'll deal with it. We'll walk through it. I, I, I know you made some wrong choice. I, I know. Come on. Come on. We'll, we'll walk through it. We'll, we'll heal through it. We'll work through it. We'll learn. We'll learn together. I got you. I got you. Just come to me. Keep coming to me. Keep coming to me. Keep coming to me like little kids. Messy hands and all. Let me pray for you that we will do just that. Our Father, whew, man, what a powerful invitation this is from you. One, any, all to come to King Jesus. That's the attitude of the king. It's not keeping people out. It's not exclusion. It's inclusion. It's, and you went first. 
You died for us first. You served us first. You loved us first. And may we just respond with a yes. For my friends that are here and joining us online that have never made that decision, may they begin making that decision right now where they are. And for my friends that know this information but have lost sight of its simplicity, may we come back to it and understand we're still little kids. We're sons and daughters of the King. May we bring all our lives, all of our mess, all of our junk, all of our questions, all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of all of it to you, our King, in Jesus' name. Amen.